This is the last session of the COVID-19 Summit where the improv community is in this season. Today we're going to be talking about what it's going to be like on the other side. What are some lessons that we should hold dearly to on the other side of quarantine? And we've got a great panel. They're going to introduce themselves along the way as we talk about what we have learned in this season. I hope you'll find some inspiration. You're certainly going to find some wisdom. You will resonate uh, with where some of them are at and some of you may not. I mean, we're all at different places in this. But again, it is a conversation that I think you will find impactful and um, comforting and useful to you. So let's get into this episode on improv on the other side of quarantine. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the COVID-19 Summit, uh, uh, how the improv world is reacting uh, in the middle of this uh, health crisis. And uh, this is the last session that we're going to have. And we are talking about what's going to happen on the other side of this experience when the stage is available to us again, something that I know we are all longing for. Uh, for a great many reasons. Um, so we've got a great panel. I'm going to start out with a question, and that is basically what is the, the lesson or the thing that has become most clear in this time that we should hold tightly to on the other side when we restart uh, live, in-person, improv uh, in earnest. And I'm going to ask each of the panelists to share their thoughts on that question. And if you could, even though I know a lot of folks already know who you are, um, if you could just give a quick intro about um, who you are and where you're from and, uh, and then give us your answer to that. And uh, Joe, you still willing to go first with this, uh, this question? Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Joe, I'm from Chicago. Um, and so I'll, I'll not do my joke answer. Um, the thing that this, the thing I've been reminded of is that improvisation is, it's essentially a human coping mechanism and it just means our ability to adapt. And we just so happen to, to adapt to things on a stage or on a screen or on an audio feed or whatever. And so what I was reminded of that there's things that I'm more comfortable with and things that I'm not comfortable with. There's ways that I'm adapting in which I'm comfortable and ways that I'm not adapting or ways that I'm not as comfortable in adapting. And so it makes me check myself when I feel like, uh, oh, I'm really great at adapting because I'm, I'm not. <laughs> um, and so as this time has gone on, there were certain there were certain improv things online I, I really wasn't willing to jump into right away. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's just because I needed time to figure out who I am in this whole thing. But who I am as a person that wants to use my life and what I do with my life to make the world smaller. And so what I've come out discovering in this type of stuff is this is just another way to make the world smaller and another way to connect with other artists who have different tastes who live in different places um and so maybe i mean i'm sure i'm going to come out of here valuing human interaction a lot more um 
but maybe it also made me check my judgment about what other people find fun. Um, I've always felt like people have the right to have fun however they want to have fun, but I think I've just lightened up a little bit. So that would be my answer. Did you feel pressure to um, be adaptable in every situation because you're an improviser? I, I don't think I feel pressure. I just feel like I'm an adapter and it's, and I feel like, um, I feel like I'm a highly capable adapter in any context. And then, um, you know, but then there's also, also things where I'm not willing to adapt. There's things that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not up for, I mean, in real life, mm -hmm. um, even more so than on stage. Um, but I don't really, uh, I think I'm the one that puts the most pressure on me and I don't think anybody else can put pressure on me more than me. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think I felt pressure to do anything that I wasn't inspired to do. Um, but I will say I did feel, I did feel the most connection when this whole thing started by checking in with other improvisers and how they were doing. Patty and I talked a number of times, Stacy and I talk weekly, uh, so, so being able to just check in with other people with like minds for me gave me a, a reminder of who I am. Great. Who, who would like to go next? Uh, could you repeat the question though? I sure. Mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, um, when you take a look at this season that we are in mm -hmm. being in quarantine lockdown, mm -hmm. um, there are lessons mm -hmm. that, uh, I'm, I'm thinking we've all had about the art form, about ourselves, that when we restart, I, I, I guess maybe, mm -hmm. maybe a way to, to frame this a little bit. This is obviously not a gift, but it's also potentially a gift for us to restart with yeah. some fresh eyes. Okay, so yeah, so I think I have two, two things that I noticed. Uh, my name is Inbal, I'm an Israeli living in Berlin. Yeah, I'm based there. And um, I was teaching a lot online, not so much uh, performing, because I think like Joe, I was also asking myself, what is the value of it? Can I bring a product which I'm proud of or happy with? And, and think that, that the, yeah, that is a quality product. So I, I was not hurrying. And in fact, I still am not in a hurry to perform online. Trixie and I was just talking about it that if it was to uh, be like that until the end of 2020, then yes, perhaps I will have to find ways. But for now, I was just like taking my time with it because I really, I still don't understand. Like it has to be completely different. There's no, I think it makes no sense to take improvisation, just copy it to a Zoom and uh, pretend that we're on a stage doing the same thing and there's nothing changed. It has to be looked at, you know, and I'm still processing. It takes me a lot of time. I'm not adapting as you would think an improviser do. <laughs> I did adapt very fast to teaching and it's great and it's working wonderfully. It's not the same, but it's still wonderful and has a lot more options than I ever thought there will be. But when it comes to shows, I feel like I, I'm still going through like needing to understand what it is. But I do think that one thing that it taught me is this thing that we forget, that a lot of improvisers forget, and this is the fact that a stage is a three-dimensional place. And when we are on stage, 
we have three dimensions, not two. So it's just standing there and thinking and sharpening ideas with one another, which come from the intellect as like a cerebral kind of experience is fine and it's good. And we can do that on Zoom. But when we're on stage, when we're feeling each other, when we're being in front of a live audience in a theater, we have the third dimension, which is the space that we're in, the depth, the length, the, the yeah. And, and, and this is where there's so much more that we could do to it, to, 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 to express this art form that is called improvisation. Mise-en-scene, how do we walk? Where do we walk? And I, and I really hope that when this is all over, uh, improvisers will value the fact that they are standing on a stage. They're not in front of a camera. It's not like two people standing talking. There's much more options out there, which I always encourage my students to, 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 to you know, take. And maybe now they will. However, my students are better listeners now when I'm teaching them on Zoom because they cannot scatter all over the place. They cannot try to impress that da, da, da. it's them and the other person. And they look at the other person and they look at themselves and that makes them better listeners. It really sharpens that such important, so, so it's such an important skill that a lot of times like with the overwhelmness of improvising we lose, but like it's wonderful to see that, how they listen and react, react. That's all they have to do, react, right? Yeah. Do you expect the stage to feel bigger when we step back on it? Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to feel bigger or smaller, but I really hope that every improviser who goes back to the stage would have this feeling like I'm, I'm back home. I know I will. I know I will definitely feel like oh, I just came back home. And I hope that also for people who are not professional improvisers or whatever, do it as a hobby. For them to stand on a stage and be like, ah, I'm home, I know this place. I know this, I know what it smells like. And now I want to explore it. I want to go and I want to go there and I want to run here and I want to stand here and I want to like, you know, check all the options that I can and not just being like acting in front of a camera, which is important. It's good that people can experience that for now, but that's not the art form as we did it so far. That would be interesting. Uh, we, uh, Jimmy Corrine, uh, host of Improv Nerd and teacher of Artist Low Comedy in Chicago. I, I love um, what was just said because I'm hoping that when we all go back, I'm dying to get back in a classroom. I've been teaching in Zoom. So I hope there's just a lot of appreciation. I, I hope I have a lot of appreciation and gratitude for, for, for going back into the, in, into the classroom. And I think for me, um, I, and, and I heard, you know, about the resistance part, you know, I was really resistant to teach online. I was like, no, I'm not, not going to do this. And thank God I had enough people like you can do it. And, and it was like, I called, uh, you know, all, all, I called all my, my teacher friends here in Chicago and they're like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And, and I'm hoping, and, 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 and I, I even, uh, I had a master class and we did a performance and I had people working tech, uh, uh, from Toronto and, and Ottawa, Canada. And it's like, I think what I learned was there is help out there. And, and also that with Zoom and where we are now, you talked about a gift. I think one of the gifts that's coming out of it is where I feel more connected to the global improv uh, community than, than ever before. This is Stacy Halal from Curious Comedy Theater in Portland, Oregon. And Ruby Rocket and this show and a podcast and a bunch of things. Uh, so my interest has always been um, 
in the cross section of improv and, and film production, video production. So my degree was in radio, television, and film. I was super shy, a lot of stage fright. I thought I would write and direct and be behind the scenes. And then I started improvising. And I always say it was the hardest thing I ever did. Uh, so then I couldn't stop doing it. Um, I became addicted to it. Um, but a few years ago, we installed cameras in our theater and we have been live streaming for almost four years, every weekend, our shows and with four cameras, but one person can operate all of the cameras. So it's a way to make the labor affordable, uh, but the product watchable. And uh, so we've been exploring that for a long time. What this has done is given me the time to focus on developing that area uh, more and exploring. I don't have a conclusion yet because I'm still exploring it. We premiered just last week our format and our show that, that we'll be producing every two weeks. And it included improv, but we improvised in front of the camera and then we edited it after. Um, and I think for me, that's the kind of improv that has been in this, in the film realm has been things like uh, Christopher Guest movies and Mike Lay made dramatic movies using improv and then edited them afterwards. And I think we could be doing on my end, more of that and uh, the day-to-day -day bill paying and managing of a hundred regular performers and a hundred students at a time and all of that is, is so consuming having a live theater that having the resources and the energy and the time to do um, film and video production, whether you know, I think the nice thing about Zoom is you sit down and you do it, everyone does it, it's real time like a show. Um, but I think it shows that you've put, you know, one hour into it. Um, and for me, I like things to be, I, I, you know, we did the Neutrino Project um, years ago, which is you have three cameras and uh, casts and a runner and you go and it started in New York. Um, and, and that was where there was a big lesson about how do we know what's funny when we can't hear the audience? So we'd run the tapes back. The audience is watching as we're shooting the next round of scenes and they, they stagger back. And so the improvisers had to learn to see what was funny and whoever was directing had to be able to see and be able to coach. And I, I think for me, I would love to see everybody push beyond the literal pick up a show uh, and put it on Zoom and say, what else are these skills good for? These skills are great for writing. We can create written sketches. We can shoot as we improvise and then edit later. And if we're live, why are we live? You know, when I worked in animation, the first question you always ask is, why is this animated? Why, because it's so much more expensive and so much more time consuming. Why are you animating this thing if it could be done live? And I feel the same way that we should be asking ourselves, why, why are we doing this live if we're not getting suggestions, if the audience doesn't feel like they're in the room, if we're not participating? So I think if we are doing something live, we need to make sure we're including the audience. And if it's not live, then why aren't we taking the time to edit and polish and put up something at its best? C from Austria, I just want to step into what Stacey said. Like what I'm taking with me is um, I'm really asking myself like what what let's let's start differently. I was amazed how quick the improv community showed up on Zoom. 
It was literally the next day. It was all over the place. There was improv shows like all over the place in Zoom. And I was like, what the fuck happened? Why, 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 how do they know how to do this? And then I watched those shows and it was horrible. I was really, I was in shock. And I was thinking, why are you doing this? What is it? What makes you put on things you haven't thought through on a medium you cannot work? You have no idea how this is working and uh, you just do your games. Like if they, people have fun with it, it's all fine. It's not that I'm like, um, <laughs> but on the other hand, it's like, this is, this is my profession. This is my theater form. This is um, what I make my living on. And all of the sudden it's all over the place. And most of the things are not good. And that hurt, that it hurt me. So I was asking myself, why are people not thinking about what they are doing or preparing what they are doing? Like if I, like I'm a theater actress and an improviser. So if I work in theater, I have six weeks of rehearsal time and then I rehearse and then I put my production on, on, on stage. And I think as an improviser as well, you have to, work on your craft and work on your show. You have to know why you do this show. You have to know what do you want to tell with that show. You have to know what, what um, tools do I use. So you have to have uh, preparation for what you're doing. So this is what I was asking myself. Why on earth are we doing this like this without knowing? So what I take with me even more it's like you have to know what you're doing. You have to prepare uh, and you have to, if this is a new medium, you have to get to know this medium and how to work these squares and to make it interesting. And also I'm like live streaming. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you're live streaming and you don't know who is watching you, I don't see them. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I need, an, uh, I need the audience be here because maybe there are 700 watching me, but I don't know if they're watching me. Maybe they're talking to their kids or they're in the kitchen or I have no idea what's going on around me. Uh, so I haven't done any shows online so far because I'm, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to work it. I don't know what's working. I have to try it out. I'm preparing a show, an online show with my uh, partner, uh, Jacob Bannigan. Uh, and if we have worked it through, then we will put it online. And it's not because we are improvisers and we have this art form that we, we, we can make up everything on the spot. Uh, this, uh, able us to to uh, improvise online we have to work on it and we have to be on top of our um, ability and acting skills to work here this is what i'm taking with me uh to yeah so so far this is i'm still not knowing i'm still not i have no idea it's i'm still in this 
I don't know. But at the moment, I'm like, I'm getting more comfortable with teaching. Like I'm teaching a lot. I'm teaching, I, I was just teaching 24, hour, uh, 24 hours the last three days. Uh, and I'm kind of start liking to teach on Zoom. I, 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 as I find out more and more things you can do when you teach. So I'm getting really comfortable in teaching. So, and uh, yeah, so I, I talk too much, I shut up. <laughs> Stacey, did you want to add to that uh, quick? I did, just, just real quick. Uh, I think teaching for sure has been great. Uh, and I think it is something that we knew we could do sketch, but we didn't know we could do improv and it has been great. But for, for improvisers to flood into producing online, basically video content without any idea of it, it's, it's like a bunch of filmmakers got on stage and were like, oh, we film, film is banned for two weeks, so we're just going to go do improv. And to think that the art form doesn't take some knowledge and understanding is a little disrespectful to the art form that so many people devote their lives to, which is how do you com make compelling stories on film and video? Word. Nope. I'll add just a tiny thing. It's, um, I remember when we first started, before we became the Annoyance Theater, we found our building and we soaped the windows and put paper on the windows so nobody could see what we were doing. And everybody went in there with with hammers and crowbars and just started tearing the place apart to try to turn it into a theater. So what Trixie's talking about, for me, the first couple of weeks going with people online was them taking hammers to improvisation and just tearing the shit out of everything. Um, that's all. <laughs> Eddie? Pretty much everything everybody has said I would like to include as if I've just said that and I'm continuing on because I agree with everything everyone has said. Um, it's a very difficult, I'm finding it a difficult question to answer because I'm still so much in it right now. And everything is shifting. Um, whether the shift continues or whether the shift uh, becomes like an elastic band and snaps back. Uh, it's so hard to predict what is going to happen. Um, but what I'm processing is just, we all belong to the impro community. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. But I think it's, it's a category, a label, a definition that needs to start understanding and accepting diversity within that label. And I've had a lot of uh, conversations where I've said, oh, I'm not feeling comfortable online. There's, it's a different thing. I'm missing the stage. I have tools for the stage. This is different. And anytime I raise anything saying that this is not perfect, it's not great, uh, I'm getting pushback. So I'll say, you know, I, I find it a struggle and immediately, oh, it's not a struggle. It's really good. And I'm like, I don't need to be convinced. I just need to be allowed to have my process within the process. But then I stepped back from that and I thought, okay, if I'm feeling people need to convince me, why do they need to convince me? And I recognize there was a lot of fear that people are afraid of losing 
in pro. And we're not going to learn, we're not going to lose pretend, and we're not going to lose making things up, and we're not going to lose storytelling. That has existed, you know, since people were drawing on caves. So we will find a way to create, and we will find a way to share, and we will find a way to tell stories. We have to look at the whys. Why are, why are we doing what we do? But why are we doing what we do? And this is an important question. And there are some people who improvise because they want to be with other people. It's a fun hobby and it's something they, it's social and it's a creative social activity and that's fantastic. Um, and I think there's an element of that for all of us. It is very much community. But there are other people who are improvising because of what they can create, what they can say, what they can express, how they can move an audience, change an audience, um, provide thoughts for an audience and experience for an audience. And this has become a different tool to do that. So there is going to be struggle and there is going to be um, a processing time, a development time, and that's okay. And if people are stepping back to process and to learn and develop, they don't need to be convinced that the thing that they're learning is already good. They just need to be heard that it's okay to be where you're at. And if you don't want to perform online, that doesn't make you less an improviser. <laughs> you know, you don't have to say yes to everything in life. Right? Um, I think the greatest way we can agree is to agree to disagree. Like, it's chill out. It's okay. The world ahead is, we're hurting now, and the world ahead is going to be complicated. So as improvisers, let's find a way to support each other, even if that's supporting your friend who right now doesn't want to go to a class or doesn't want to go online, but still wants to be a part of the community. So I'm still in the thick of it. I don't know. But those are my ramblings at this point at 7.30 a.m. And that's a day ahead of the rest of us on the call, too. So, you know, we're seeing the future. <laughs> uh, Fania? What, uh, what can you share uh, with us? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Fenia from Argentina, but currently living in Madrid. How are you, lovely people? Uh, I, I, again, I agree with all of you. And one thing that uh, this uh, situation has taught me is that I'm not an improviser in every form, in every way. I'm, I'm a theatrical improviser. I need theater. Uh, of course, I can improvise in other means. I can do radio, I can do Zoom, I can do writing, but I need the stage and I need to tell stories on the stage with other people and with this other people watching and living it with me. There's a, a, a term or a, a word that, that uses a, a theatrical theorist here there in Argentina uh, called Jorge Dubati. He speaks about convivio, which translates to co-presence or something like that. Okay. Uh, and this is the idea that uh, it defines theater. It's the only thing that makes theater what it is. And, and I need that. And, and I can get a little something of that if I do any, something else in a different mean while improvising. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the effect. 
I miss it. I, 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 I'm not filled with the same energy when I do this uh, online. Uh, so I, I, I need theater. And, and all, everything that surrounds theater, and it means it's text, it's the acting, it's the, uh, the costume design, it's the lights design, it's the staging. Uh, and I cannot imagine how to do this online. And I don't want to, because it's another me. So it's me, Fenya, improvising in other topics. Like, I, I play football. Great. I, I could be athletic. I could play other sports. But my sport is football. Well, my thing is theater. So that's what I, what I learned. Do you think that um, that is a, um, a mindset that the impro community where you're at should perhaps be more focused on the theatricality of the improvisation that it does than maybe it has been in the past when we again return to the stage? Uh, I think that the community I'm part of in, in Madrid and Spain generally is very theatrical and, and we all as a community have that uh, but I, I'm just talking about what I need, what myself needs. So again, it's the same feeling I had before this. So if I wanted to produce a show or I'm invited to a show, of course I can play a non-theatrical or less theatrical show, so to speak. And I would have fun and I would do it and I would be good at it. Uh, but if I want to produce something for myself and if it's my artistic choice, then I will take this road. Uh, and now I cannot take that road. <laughs> so I hope that when everything goes back to this new normality, uh, I will keep betting on that kind of improvisation, of that kind of improvised theater that I, that I need and that I need to watch too. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just wanted to say something really funny that I'm a very apocalyptic person and I really like to think about the, the apocalypse and how would it look like, you know that. And then I was always saying that um, I think that even if civilization as we know it will crush tomorrow, us improvisers will always have a place in society. Because if, even if we go back to stick and stones and fire, we are the ones who can tell the stories around the fire and get the tribe back together. But in my wildest dreams, I did not expect the apocalypse to look like this. <laughs> Where we're like, as improvisers, we're like worth nothing. <laughs> like, oh, hi, this is Zoom. Nice to meet you. Improvise. Why don't you create a theatrical storytelling thing? Nothing. There's not this tribe, the, the bonfire. Nothing. Everybody is in their own houses. So I think it's an irony. <laughs> it's a little bit of an irony. That's all I wanted to say. Always the bonfire in my Zoom. He's right in the middle. Well, I can't say this is the first time the apocalypse has come up in this summit. Um, because it certainly has, uh, there are elements of it. I just want to apocalypse is being televised. Uh, you know, can we do a revolution on Zoom? Is that going to be possible? We don't have to leave our house for the revolution? This is also not the first time revolution has come okay, up. Great, 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 great. <laughs> uh, Omar, I would, uh, I would like to hear uh, from you next. 
Okay, thank you very much. I am the last one, so I agree with everyone. <laughs> so I, I, uh, when I uh, did a kind of TV show by Zoom about improvisation in the last uh, month, I used that to say to people, you talk too much. So when you see the crocodile appear, you okay, you finish your idea. Um, and now I have the, the little proud with myself. I, I didn't improvise in this time yet. Maybe if that situation during five years more, but in, in this time, I need the, the stage, the real stage too. Uh, as Fenia, as, as everyone, more or less. In fact, Two weeks ago, or one week ago, ago, I went to the cultural place with the key. Was not 100% legally that, because was not too near of my house. But I opened this place and I uh, did a rehearsal uh, alone, and I recorded that to uh, share the situation to rehearsal alone, because I have a one-man show. Uh, and I was so happy, because there was even not on a stage, because there is not a stage, but the place, the, the, the mood to play with the body. So I need that, in that moment, I, I need that. And at the same time, because I think maybe after half hour after the this situation there was a lot of improvisation group doing a zoom show instagram show uh, okay i'm not one of, of these improvisers but i respect i think there is an adaptation and at the same time there is a process so it's not uh uh, all the time, at the same time. Maybe I can adapt myself, but I need a process to to understand, to need to, and at the same time, when 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 I did that TV show about improvisation, we started all the weeks uh, saying in Madrid. Uh, there was in Spain, for example, now there was near of 28,000 uh, people dying by this situation. So we are not in the party. We are not in the happy situation to say, okay, we are improviser, say me a word. And that, uh, less of sensitivity, uh, I, I, I become a little bit sad with that in our community. Not everyone, of course, but so many times I, I saw a lot of group saying, okay, party, well, and they have not one second to reflect about the real situation. It's a real drama. Uh, tomorrow in Madrid is, is, is starts a new situation, we pass to another level, but at the same time, there are a lot of people doing a, a line to ask food. 
and it's Spain, it's first world. Uh, so I think, okay, we, we can have a lot of show with uh, very fun people and very happy and enjoy, but at the same time, we must to be a little bit sensitive about this situation. Because if not, the, the improvisation for us is just what, uh, what you solve the uh, talk without one letter or just play a game. And, and I must believe is another, is, is something uh, more of that. So. Yeah, just, I think Trixie touched on that too, which is, I think there is the community part and then there's the in front of an audience part. And I think running toward each other and, and performing in Zoom to stay connected with each other, to escape from the stress of what's happening, all of that I can totally appreciate and have encouraged some of, we have community facing shows live that are really more for us to jam and to play and to learn. And then there's the ones that we consider public facing. And so I think it's important to yes, try to carry those distinguishing. Yes, in fact, there is a group in Spain, the name is Jamin. They are very famous, uh, famous in the off theater. And talking with them, they uh, tell me, uh, the audience asked to us to play. So we did that with our not uh, combined with, but we need that and the people is happy. Uh, the first step with the workshop was the same, was more to the sensation of the meeting that than something uh, pedagogic uh, workshop. Then that involved and now I'm, I feel comfortable with the lesson. But the first step was, okay, we need to be together uh, every week, one hour at least to say hello. I hug you in, in this invisible situation or impalpable. But yes, yes, yes. I, I, I think that is, I, I can adapt myself and my work. And at the same time, I need a process and I, I, I want to be uh, conscious about it's not a party. It's, it's mm. not a romance situation. Because uh, even if everybody are at home, not everybody are the same kind of home. Yeah. So that is, uh, so thank I you. I think also, Omar, just to, to, to tap into what you said is that, um, I don't know, growing up in Israel and doing a lot of comedy in Israel, a lot of times you have to do comedy and go up on stage in situations which are really tough. There was just like a terror attack a few hours before and then you have to do a show. And for us, it's like we're very used in a way to live with the difficulty and with the drama and at the same time produce comedy out of it, which is something that we you feel how essential it is to life. And I think that this is part of my biggest difficulty right now because I realize that as improvisers, we are the creators of our own pieces, of our own theatrical pieces or photographed, shoot it, it doesn't matter. But what we do or what I do is I consume 
I read, I learn, I talk, I process, and then I go up on stage and I yes. process, I give back what I've just eaten, right? And all of a sudden I felt like I have been a sponge for three months. I was just sucking and sucking and sucking information, but I have no place to... I don't have anything to do with it. I cannot create anything artistic on a stage, as we all talked about, mm -hmm. to bring back as a content, which is valuable to an interested audience. And I think that this is maybe also something that we should take yes, with ourselves yes, when we go back to do an improvisation after that, is that enough with this stupid, sorry, doctor and patient <laughs> generic scenes. Enough with that. We have a power in our hands. We're related, we're bounded, we're connected to reality. We come from reality and we can use this reality. We can use this social, political, whatever reality that we live in to make meaningful scenes and not like, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm a patient. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, maybe this is something we also have to understand how rooted we are in the cultures that we come from and how much power that is for us as, as creators of our own art form. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Bring in the uh, yeah, <laughs> bring in the alligator. <laughs> I've got a monkey that I can bring in on you, Omar, if you watch us with the alligator. I could, um, this is, uh, this recent conversation, uh, Omar and Imbol, has, has triggered something for me, which, um, you know, sometimes you're aware, but you're not aware of, because you haven't quite put it in words, or someone hasn't put it in words for you. I think some of my initial resistance to going online is right now we're living in an extraordinary moment. And it's a moment that we're living globally and everybody's having different experiences with it, different levels of it. But it is the first time in my life that the world is dealing with this. Instead of we recognize it's happening there, we're all in it. And this is not a negative to people going online. I understand people have different processes and different needs, but for me, it felt almost like so desperate to keep the world that was happening, it was ignoring the world that is happening. And I can't ignore the world that is happening. It is happening. And as an improviser, how can we be ignoring that? <laughs> it's, it's like the biggest looming offer right now with all of its subsets of possibilities and stories and, and the individual story to the global story. And, you know, the cover of the New York Times recently with all the names. I mean, ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, there's such, there's so much that's going on right now that's, um, sad and so much that's going on right now that's beautiful and so many people that are reaching out and supporting each other and so many people going through you know very tough situations for me to kind of operate life as is in the middle of that feels weird and I think that was my original resistance was it was like, we just took everything we did and put it here because we have to put it here. This is my interpretation, not anybody else's. And I kind of went, ah, 
no, hang on. This is different. This is different. This is different. <laughs> I, I need to be in the different, which is why I still don't know what's around the corner. Trixie? Yep. That's one thing. Like we have an art form that can react in the moment to everything. Like the theater I'm working in, we are doing uh, political theater all the time. Like every piece we develop has something to do with our political situation in the city, in the country, whatever. And with improv, we have this tool, this theater tool or this theater um, power to react in the moment. And this is what, uh, what's in my head long, uh, also before Corona, thinking about why don't we as improvisers or uh, react to the world we are in. Usually we do our things. We play our patient and uh, doctor scenes and um, my favorite example is always the sisters. You get sisters and they fight uh, about a pullover or a man. That's the sisters scene. Yeah, Chicago, it's roommates. Okay, that's a new, that's a, um, yeah, you know, we, but we could also like do scenes about something that's um, around us and that's uh, touching all of us on different levels. And uh, that's uh, what we don't do very often in that art form. Also, we have that tool in our hand to do it. Um, and what's, what struck me was there was also a, a, a friend of mine put on um, an improvised online workshop um, um, thing re uh, really quickly. And I was asked to teach there, and then I was thinking, oh, what should I teach? What should I teach about improv now? And then I was thinking, okay, what people are stuck in their rooms, they cannot go out, so uh, their world got so small, so they have to explore this new world they are in, and it's their world they are in every day now. So what's in there, what, what input can you get as an improviser from the room? You know very well, you have to find the new things and blah, blah, blah. And all my other colleagues came up with wonderful workshops that, that was about the situation. Uh, and I've, I've read so many wonderful workshops description I've never read before on in improv things. Like usually you teach how to do the scene, how to do the story, how to invent your character, how to get better in blah, blah, blah. So that was a wonderful thing in, in all this workshop situation that these teachers came up with new things because of the situation. And that that made me think about, um, yes, we have to, we got a little lazy in our art form. We got like, we do our things and we do it for a long time and we always do the same kind of things. So that situation made us think differently. And what should we teach? It changed now a little. Now all of them, like they are doing the teaching very, very often. It's two times a week and lots of teachers. And now in the meantime, it's a little bit back to the normal things what you teach about improv. Yeah. 
So um, maybe we have to take this with us. It's like we have to constantly, now we are all aware and we are like, because we are not safe in our world. So we are aware and we are adapting and processing and we are finding new ways. Maybe we should keep this when it's over. That uh, we are, yeah, now it's over and it's new and what we let's let's push our art form further a little a little more than we usually do this this is what i'm thinking at the moment i have no idea how, how to do it when we are back to normal the danger is like oh now we're back to normal i can do what i've ever done and i'm afraid that i do this when i'm like finally okay over uh, so I appreciate what Trixie just said because that's <clears throat> what eventually got me to <clears throat> pardon me where I needed to be was um, somebody had reminded me that in the IO book in the art by committee there's a DVD with a bunch of examples of formats from IO and I had forgotten that I was Armando in the Armando format and somebody asked me if I was going to teach personal storytelling as Armando. And I thought, why would you ask me that? And they reminded me, I thought, oh, I can teach that. And it's strange because uh, I, I, I teach more corporate people personal stories for leadership and stuff like this. Um, and, um, you know, and that's how I found my way back in. And in a way, there was like a log jam and the logs had to break. And once I started teaching that stuff, I found a bunch of hours of that that I could do. And now some of my other some of my other stuff seems possible to me um the other thing and this is something in our as we corresponded uh ahead of this <clears throat> like you know all of us value this we value this connection this connectedness i mean everybody here i've at least written messages to in the last month and i've talked to most of you um and that's what we do that's what we do as who we are in this and um, something that you had asked us to think about with was like all of us are, let's just say, over 35. Uh, we're mostly like, you know, in our late 30s. Um, <laughs> um, and when I think about myself and who I was, even up till when I was 40 and the type of improviser that I was, um, what we all have learned is as a coping mechanism, it's like acceptance and kindness and who are we and self-reflection. But as people in their 20s and 30s, the way they deal with stuff like this or even figuring out who they are, it's rebellion and anarchy and who gives a shit and fuck everything. And so why wouldn't they go piling online? And I know there's, you know, I was the worst version of myself in the 30s. Stacy can tell, <laughs> Stacy can tell you. But I was also with a group of people who were rebellious and didn't give a shit and not always appropriate. But in that anarchy, in that rebellion, we found stuff accidentally that all of a sudden was a thing. And then we saw, oh, this thing that we found in our rebellion is like, uh, we're not going to be able to grow it by being rebellious. We're not going to be able to grow this by being an anarchy. Like we have to care in some way. And then we can't care by taking it serious. We have to care by playing. But then we have to care by playing and seriously taking care of each other in order to 
to evolve. And to me, this is the personal evolution piece. And I'm, and I'm just thinking of those people who might be younger than 35 that are watching us all talk. I think, I think I'm safe in saying that all of us can remember when we were 30, when we were 25, and we can all remember where we just said, ah, fuck it, whatever, who cares? Um, it doesn't make them insensitive to the death and the people that are dying and the disease and the governments that are handling this poorly. It just means that you're wherever you are in your life uh, and you're dealing with this the way that you deal with this. And just for us, we have this... Uh, we've we we've all done this a while and we all know that we're artists and we uh we have a responsibility to be ourselves and i just want to make sure it doesn't get lost that the younger people can be how they are and 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 anarchy and rebellion in the face of something like this is also a normal human response well i just noted that we lost our under 35 representative uh in uh, jimmy's uh, home <laughs> Yeah, she to go fill the pool, and I just want to say, I I I knew Joe in the thirty in the thirties, and he's the, I'm, you know he's he's telling the truth. <laughs> well, he's actually I, minimizing it a little, I think, don't you, Joe? I don't remember, Jimmy. You're the one that got sober, not me. <laughs> so just a just a couple of thoughts that um, you know occurred to me that kind of maybe maybe ties some of this together, and also I think expresses a little bit of how I've approached this question. I think the question of why we do what we do is the thing that I hope we ask ourselves more pointedly and directly uh, in the restart. Because I think a lot of the um, disconnect or the feelings like we're we're going in different directions or having different feelings or having to defend ourselves or feeling awkward. A lot of it probably comes down to the fact that we have different motivations, um, different things that are primary to us. On this call, I think there is a high level of um, concern, appreciation, um, motivation to see art put on stage and to see a good, um, a good theater in, in improvisation, um, whether it's a tool to create theater or, but if you're going to do it live, it should be quality and worth watching. But people come into the impro community for a lot of different reasons. Some of it is just the community. Some of it is the art. Some of it is the play. Um, and some, some of the motivations that have, I think, moved uh, people to do improv online would be financial. Um, there can even be a religiosity <laughs> to, to improv that, uh, that we see as well that can um, lead to certain decisions. But if you don't have a common motivation in your troop or in your community, you aren't going to be as united and can't accomplish as much together because you're trying to accomplish different things. For us, we, I have been doing some online um, shows, but it ties back to our mission, which is connection. Um, we try to connect people with each other in their communities through Im improv. And so for us, content is not what we're after in our online shows because we don't think it can equate to the theatricality that you can achieve on an in-person show. Um, but that's, that's where we're coming from. So we've had 
some unified aspects to it. And for us, we have seen the audience, we pull them up on screen and have seen them at home alone with no connections. And this show has served that purpose. Whereas if it is just to go out there and I forgot how you put it, Omar, but to, to have a party, um, that's not what the world needs right now. The world doesn't need content. They need connection. But on the other side of this, um, that connection, I think, is going to be a driver. And the art, um, also just the start of improv. Think about, you know, where uh, David Shepard was coming from or, uh, or Bilal was coming from. This was theater to drive, uh, to, to tell a story. Keith Johnstone, to tell stories about the human condition or political things. That, that's drifted, right? So perhaps coming back to that, I, I don't know. That's, those are some of the thoughts that I think have driven this to be what I, this is, as the final session on this. So I don't know. Uh, Fenya, you have something on, to respond to on that? Yes. Uh, a couple of days ago, somebody asked me how do I choose my intro partners or the people that I will work with. And I, I answered with three things. Um, talent, affinity, and uh, responsibility or professionalism. And what now I one? could... Affinity. Uh, and the fourth, thinking about it now, is this uh, common uh, artistic view. Because uh, if I don't have... If I have the four of them with other other person, great, awesome. You are my ideal partner and I would love to work with you. If you are missing one of those, if you don't connect in any of those, then we could still have fun and we could do a lot of other things because basically the affinity, I think, is the most important for me. Uh, but the one that I would, be, I would be proud of and I would be happy uh, charging people to watch me uh, uh, or show it to other improvisers with pride, with pride, it's if I have the four of them. Isn't it a, a little bit of a question if, if the improv community is, <laughs> is improvisation a community or an art form? Because if it is a community, then you're right. Then uh, we should be there for each other, da, da, da. If it's an art form, I think having diversity is actually very good for the art form. So having the people who are going online and bombarding it and having parties or whatever, letting any contact out. And then at the same time, people who go like, no, we need to process a little bit more because we're old and tired and let's face it and whatever. But then that we have a lot of voices, you know, <laughs> uh, it's actually good for the art form, I think, because then it can develop in many, many, many different ways that can then influence the art form more and people could see different things and get go inspired. But if it's a community, then I'm always scared of the word community because it always seems to me like something that can choke you while you're alive because you're in a community and then you have to make pies or whatever. I don't know, be nice. And I don't know. So like a community is cool, but like, don't expect us all to be the same. Don't expect us to align, you know, and do the same thing just because we're a community. We could still be very, and like, there's the North American community. It's different than the European and different than the Middle Eastern. It's different. And that's good. That's good for us. The pies well, are different in Egypt. The pies are very different. different. We don't Chicago, make pies in the Middle East. Yeah, Chicago, it, 
Chicago, it's Rice Krispie treats. That's right. So Imbal totally set up exactly what, what I was waiting to, to talk about, which is, uh, you know, running a theater for 12 years, which I know is young compared to other theaters even represented here. But that question that you were mentioning, Wit, about why are we doing this or what are the purposes? I have to ask myself that constantly for for our community to in, to be inclusive. So when we had a big space was our only space and 180 seats and 20 foot high ceilings, there was a certain kind of improv and that we can do there that will fill that kind of space. And when we opened last year, our little space, uh, that was a lot, allowed us to accommodate other approaches. So dramatic and more intimate theater can happen in this white space. And I think we need to think of the digital environment as another venue. It's another space that requires a different frame of mind. And being aware of uh, where things are going. I don't think Zoom is ever going to be the answer unless it amps up in, in a number of ways. And it, and it may, but there's also a whole world of virtual improv that is going to happen that will combine our ability to be in separate spaces, but feel like we are in the same space. And I, I don't think it's that far away. So right now there's things you can do that it's like a video game where you're playing together in a video game, but instead of playing against monsters or whatever, you can improvise in a world together that is art directed and you have props or costumes. You can make yourself look like anything you want to make. And that, is exciting to me. And again, it might not be exciting to somebody who loves the stage and the traditional theater, but there's so many different ways to improvise. Uh, I just feel like Zoom <laughs> is satisfying that need to be together, but we don't need to tell people to watch us be together any more than we'd invite people to watch us or pay us to watch us play Jackbox games together even if it's funny to us, like it, it's not necessarily gonna be enjoyable to them. Omar, I know you have an opinion on um, the priorities of community versus um, the artistic expression. Um, I don't know if those have uh, changed or evolved from some of your earlier writings, but uh, can you speak to that? How you feel about that today? <laughs> yeah. Keep yes. the crocodile handy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, I think it's not uh, a community against uh, <laughs> against uh, art form. Uh, just I say, and in that small text, I thought about. Uh, so many times we have a, a, a form of art, we don't need nothing to play. We, we need just a place and we, we play. And that for me is a miracle and it's very, very beautiful. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I think that situation is the Trixie say, uh, become us a little bit lazy so we don't use a costume, a light, a different element of the theater art. So, so that text, uh, the name is Yes But, because so many times the yes and is, uh, is too much for me <laughs> uh, and, and it's not 
24 hour a day, yes and, yes and, yes and. Uh, and I, I, I thought about that, I reflect about, about that. Yes, I, we can play without nothing. But that don't mean we must to play without nothing. We can care the show. We can care the 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 product we you, we offer to the audience. So I, I thought about that. In fact, when you say about uh, after this situation, for example, I, I'm in contact with a lot of people in Argentina, and in this moment there is a very very big community uh, with uh, of of theater places and companies because they say okay we we don't want back to the old reality because that reality was not good for the off theater we are not uh, government uh, support blah, blah 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 so we want to fight to turn back to that situation so that is is interesting to to me. Uh, in fact, in Madrid, uh, there are a few uh, improvisation places, not a lot, but we talk between us, us about that the situation after that, because because will be not easy. Because at the same time, uh, the people we don't know about the audience if, if the audience will be because there is a lot of fear uh, so in in that sense i think so many times we we are in the community uh, in that sense I, I i feel comfortable but yes i need in that uh, community we think in the different way and we play in the different way and and, and don't think the same so that is the, my brainstorming about that. Yeah. Jimmy, this, this might not be fair to throw this to you entirely, but um, uh, with Omar mentioning the, um, the financial stresses you know, hit differently in different parts of the world, uh, depending on whether there's government support or not, what the private support is, whether it is a nonprofit charitable organization or not. Mm -hmm. Um, in the U.S., I think the biggest tremor that we felt in the improv world was probably the closure of the UCB theaters in New York and the schools in New York, uh, a very large institution there. Um, it, and that's where it started. It's just gone now, um, at least in terms of facilities. Um, what, what do you think the financial pressures... Um, you know whether whether it's in the U.S. or or beyond to the extent you have a thought on that. What what impact do you think that'll have on what improvisation will be like on the other side? Well, I, I thank you for turning it over to me. I feel like the financial expert. You know, for, you know, <laughs> we're going to look at a chart now. Um, I, I think because I've thought about this, and, and I think the UCB. Uh, my understanding is they they closed their their physical space, their theater, but they're still going to do classes. And, and do shows. They're going to rent out, run out spaces. And um, in a way, I think we're going to lose 
some theaters, they're going to lose their, 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 physical, their, their physical space. But that doesn't mean their school and their theater is going to go away. I think, again, it's going to be like, um, you know, they'll rent space and stuff like that. And, and Joe, of course, uh, we, were, we started at the Annoyance Theater in the late 80s, early 90s, if I'm, if I'm right, Joe. And that time in Chicago, I can only think of Second City was the one place that that and Players Workshop actually had a building. Everybody else was playing in the bars or, or renting places out, renting you know theater spaces out for a short period of time. So I'm kind of excited about this that part of it, that, that um, there could be a renaissance because back in the 90s when there was only two institutions. I think it was the most, and, and Joe can speak to this as well, I thought it was the most creative time that we had seen in Chicago uh, improv. And I know um, talking to people who had theater theaters, and I've heard them say, you know, having a theater is a lot of pressure and, you, and your mindset changes because now you're worrying about paying the rent versus creating the art. So. Um, you know, my thing is we are going to lose some physical spaces. But the other thing is that, that I'm really hoping is other big institutions absorb the smaller ones or even better, like a theater, you know, like a legitimate theater says, OK, you know, you have a great reputation as an improv company. Why don't you be, uh, you know, uh, you know, artist and resident with us? And we'll expose you to a bigger audience. That's what I'm hoping. Well, Joe, look, I'll let you tag on to that too, because I, I do think the larger the institution, the harder it is to, to move, to pivot, to allow for things that don't fit the brand or whatever it is. Um, there are limitations that come from size that maybe is less uh, relevant um, if it's more nimble. Um, yeah, I think all, I think right now, you know, after this or during this, whatever, I think all rules are going to change. And I think it's going to be in terms of if you have a building, you're going to want to do what you have to do to survive um, and, 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 you know, bring, bring people in. And, and I'll tell you something, some of the best festivals that I've been to, all the, all the shows are under one, you know, they're either a couple theaters, you know, real close by or all under one roof. And that creates a sense of community, creates an event, and, and, it, and it would get more exposure to different audiences improv. That's how European uh, festivals do it. Yep. And it's, yeah, the, the um, you know, Chicago's kind of the theater town in, uh, in the States, and I mean, with all deference to New York, but I mean, there's just like small, this city supports all kinds of theater, not just, not just improv. So I think... I think Second City IO and Annoyance are going to survive, but how it, what it looks like afterwards, who knows? And it's not, it's really not, I mean, I, I know less about Second City situation, but I'm assuming the monolith will not die. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, on before this, on any given Friday or Saturday night in Chicago, there was, you know, 20 to 40 different theaters or places that turned into theaters for the weekend that would do just improv shows in Chicago and probably another 50 small theaters in Chicago. And so some of those are rentals and, uh, and some of, you know, some people they'll, they'll rent a place for a year, then they move to another place and move to another place. So I think, 
I think we're going to see a contraction in the number of bricks and mortar places all around the world. And then I think there's also going to be this sort of gypsy idea of we'll just put our shows up in a space that we find for now, for now, for now. And then it's it's going to be interesting. I was so interested in what Omar said about, you know, there's some places where artists, you know, they had a shitty condition before all of this hit and it's now great. Now, now we're all level. Now we can get online and we're forced to communicate in this way. It's just another form of oppression. So now what will that do to us inside so that when this gets out, we can go do something. And now it's just another group of people finding a place where they can do their shows, put on their art, like whatever. Um, but I, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I think the word pivot is overused or maybe I'm just tired of it. Like, like before times and like, I'm just, I'm really just tired of certain phrases, but I think, what's that? from your corporate work the word pivot pivot yeah i think it's outside the box yeah that's <laughs> if i could just reframe this for a second um let's take this conversation offline shall we joe we will jim i think that's a good idea um yeah uh i think i'll come back to the original ideas like we're we are adapters and so like through all of this improvisation will continue to adapt um, the, uh, uh, this is a thought from, this is a callback from 40 minutes ago. So just like in a show, it's probably too late for this, but I, the other thing that's, um, thank you, Omar. This is going to be a standalone promo piece for this conversation. Trust me. I am, I am sick of seeing advertising that says we're in this together. Because these are corporate money-making entities putting a bumper sticker out in order to stimulate some type of sentiment from us. And it's no better than a bullshit Hallmark card that means nothing. Because those of us that are in this together, we know and we don't need your hot dogs or your hand lotion to tell us that we are. But the truth is, everywhere in the world, there's at least a third of the people that are not in this together. And so... You know, those of us that are in this together, we'll continue to do stuff together, but we don't need to carry a bunch of signs going, we're in this together. <laughs> I, now I'm going to write you all a check for $75 because that felt very therapeutic. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Joe. My, your, your, uh, your insurance coverage. You have Venmo, right, Jimmy? Yeah. So, yeah. But you're, it's only a copay. Okay. Omar, give him the alligator. <laughs> you, you see why I went to you for the financial question, Jimmy. Yeah. Daddy's yeah. <laughs> um, got, got a monkey. <laughs> there have been more animals on this call uh, than I feel like I've seen in a while. Um, let me um, let me just ask maybe to close the time uh, on that a little bit. And I do think it's. I don't know that it's a third, but it just might be, and it might be a little more, a little less, but it's a sizable percentage of our community, improvisers, who have um, been out entirely. They're not teaching online, they're not performing online, they may not be interacting very much at all. Um, these are people that I miss, that I don't see as much, that I hope will be coming back on the other side of this. Um, but as we look to the restart, 
Um, are there things that we uh, that you might uh, have in mind for how to um, draw people back in? Um, how to care for people at this time? What have you seen in your communities um, that either has been effective or that you think would be effective once we have some folks who might re-engage that just aren't present currently? Any thoughts on that? Besides going to their house? Could be, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I've uh, just the, the, the walking by and yelling at the window has, uh, is a greater impact than a, than a Zoom rectangle. Um, I'll, I'll go if you want yeah. um, For me, the closing was very much like I was overwhelmed by all the conflicting information. So I just followed along with our governor's process and uh, but going back, I feel like in the U.S. with our lack of leadership uh, nationwide and, and reliable information from our government and from our press on both sides, like I feel like everybody's um, in an exaggerated place. Um, I think for it'll have to be very slow. Um, if we tried to just open tomorrow, and if everyone's like, great, it's done. Like there's still people need to get accustomed to even be sitting next to each other, to watching people get intimate into each other's intimate space with each other. Um, so even if there is a percentage of people audience wise ready to, to rush out, um, will we be able to pay our full staff to have our whole theater up and, and running? And so I'm planning on a very long closure with a very slow reopening um, because to me, what would be more damaging is trying to jump back in and then lay everybody off again. Laying people off was the, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. So I'm in no rush to try to hire everybody up and then, oh, we all are in quarantine again. Like I, I'm going to follow very slow, keeping every, our con, our, um, expenses as tight as possible, plan to sustain the space uh, as much as possible, and then very slowly open back up a tiny step at a, at a time. And in terms of improvisers, you know, it's not a bad thing that somebody might have decided that they love to garden during this and that's their passion and they may never come back and improvise ever again and I won't love them any less for that. And I think we'll also discover some people will seek us out who are wanting to laugh and feel a sense of community extra from after being isolated. So I'm embracing that there will be some, some loss of some people on the regular, but I'm hoping there'll also be some, some new folks who discover improv as there always are. Omar? I think too, so many times in the humanity, history, the theater was a clandestinity activity. So maybe that time back, <laughs> if, the, if the rules are not clear, because so many governments here in Europe and in South America, there are a lot of uh, details about when back the football soccer for you. The, uh, and everybody knows about uh, all the teams, the stadium, how many people, how many uh, 
assistant, trainers, but theater, we don't know nothing about. So if the situation push us to be a little bit in the clandestinity, I, I accept that challenge. I think also that, uh, I think people will come back. I mean, I see it in the restaurant scene here in Berlin and also friends would tell me how Tel Aviv is nowadays. The minute that they opened a little bit, the a possibility to go back to normal life, people rushed. People are crowding the streets. They're like, they want to socialize, they want to normalize. And I think that what improvisation gives a lot of people is the ability to be seen. And I think that now more than ever, probably people will want to be seen and being in a workshop, for example, or doing a show is a possibility for a lot of people to go out there and have other people see them and listen to them and have them express their ideas. So in a way, I'm not very worried about, are we going to have people, in, is it going to sustain or not? Also because it's an art form, I think it definitely will but there will be a lot of people who would want to still do it. Will we charge the same prices? That's a different question. Will we have to like, you know, look at the prices and go, okay, there's a new economical situation worldwide. Everything is in recession now. Yeah, but people are going to, people are going to do it. People are going to come back. Trixie? Yeah. In Austria, I also think people are coming back, but, as Omar said, in Austria, we have um, uh, plans how to, how the story is going to be played again and, um, and um, rules and everything is clear how they do it. Theater-wise, we have nothing uh, so far. Also, the assistant of the cultural minister had to resign because the artists got so angry about that there is just no plan in the nation of culture, of Mozart and so on, there is just nothing. So artists got really angry and there was a political head being cut last week, Any, which was also weird, but that's maybe too far. But the thing, now they came up with a plan how, and this is the thing that bothers me, uh, they now kind of let us open the theaters again we don't have exactly the rules so far, but one of the rules will be that every audience member will have to give his personal information when they purchase a ticket, like everything, uh, and they have to then sit on a seat where we can now, if something happens, say on seat number three, there was uh, Mrs. So-and-so, living in that and that street, being born at that and that date, and she was sitting right here. So these are at the moment things where we as a theater think we will not do this. And if we are forced to, to do this, we will just not, maybe not open the theater. Because this is, um, at the moment, you know, there are also things happening with like, the whole um, democracy or getting the controlling us in a way which is, I don't know if I like, and I understand why they do it if someone gets infected. But on the other hand, it's like, why do they want us theater people do this? 
and you can go into a restaurant and sit on a table and you don't have to give your personal information. But like we theater people should gather personal information about our audience to hand it over to the government. These are all things that scare me in a way and make me angry. Uh, and I, I don't know if people will come back to theaters if it's tied to this. It's like there is... There's a yeah, lot of unknowns as to what the what the rules might be. I think in the, the U.S. I've seen that they've limited capacity to um, church services to 25%. And there has but that's to be, good. Has to be an entire. <laughs> that's religion. Process. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But then then there's a seating chart process because who sits together and who doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of complications. Um, I think there is going to be the other side though eventually it's a it is certainly a question of how long um patty you had something that you wanted to tag on yeah um so part of your uh original question was uh about you know improvisers that maybe don't come back or how do we deal with kind of improvisers in the community through change and i I think we kind of deal with improvisers as we deal with improvisers, as we should with people, which is just respect, openness, listening, um, patience, uh, and acceptance that their decisions are their decisions. And they have the right to make the decision. And if they're done improvising, cool. Then impro served its time in their life and that's great. And if they're desperate to come back, great. Um, as to kind of the impro community and what's going to happen, I would like us to kind of maybe shift some of, uh, the thinking from how do we get back to, to what's the possibility of, because in a time of change, there's a possibility of growth. Uh, artistically, creatively, and to look at solving other problems. Um, you know, what, what the government is doing, Trixie, that, that's mind-blowing and boggling to me. And I understand they can hide it under a logic of, you know, science or wanting to know where people are, but to not apply that across the board, they're not going to do that at a football stadium. So it doesn't make sense. Uh, so then how do we do it differently or other? Um, we are creative individuals. That's what we do. That, that's the, the, the cachet we bring to the world. So if physical space is an issue uh, and this is one option, what are the other options? Uh, you know, um, there's, there's uh, groups that are looking at doing shows in your front yard. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, the time of the troubadours, you know, the Commedia dell'arte. Um, instead of trying to get back to what we were, what else is possible? You know, can, can we uh, shoot a show in a space and then project it out onto a building wall? So can we create drive-in theater? Can we perform and have a drive-in theater behind space, um, What's the word? 
8 a.m. Uh, screen. Can we be small but project large and have people in their cars? Uh, you know, uh, instead of proscenium, can we start doing in the round? Does that give us more opportunity to bring other people in? Uh, you know, do, do we create little cardboard boxes, get a whole bunch of refrigerator boxes and play with the idea of solo space and larger space? Do we create little tunnels with different impro shows in different spaces? Like, what can we do if we use what we do? The offer right now is what comes next, not get back to what was. What was already was broken, it was just comfortable. So what can we do now? We may not have the government funding, we may not have the same ticket price, we may not have the same influx of audience initially. So what is that? Yeah, that to me is exciting. Instead of responding to fear of getting back to the normal, and the normal is just an illusion, because there is no one normal. So what can we do? Well, that was an outstanding list. I better come up with a transcript just to have a list of all of those wonderful possibilities. But let's end on the note of possibility. And Can I'll I just say, if anybody tries them, please let me know what happened. I would, because there might, or if something triggers something, I'd love to know that. Because we have the ripple effect in improvisation and that's a beautiful thing, so. Well, and that's one of the possibilities too that we shouldn't that we've discovered that we shouldn't lose, and the possibilities are that we can be more connected uh, to each other. We have some wonderful folks on this call who you now all will have access to um, in ways that you didn't have or that they knew they could offer maybe a year ago. Um, that will be true on the other side, and that will help us to achieve more of what is possible on the other side. So I want to thank each of you for participating. Um, thank you for um, your concern and care for improvisers everywhere. And uh, I'll look forward to um, sharing this with, uh, with the world. And uh, next time I'll make sure to bring stuffed animals. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you, thanks for including me. Well, that concludes the COVID-19 Summit on how the improv community is dealing with the current health crisis. It has been a great experience for me talking to nearly 30 improvisers from, I think, 17 countries on six continents with such great perspective, wisdom, things, um, things that we needed to hear, things that uh, will serve us well to uh, keep track of and hold dearly to on the other side. We certainly have had an increase in our connectivity and just being closer with each other. The improv world is both smaller and bigger, and those are good things. Uh, but I'm glad that we ended today's session on the topic of what is possible. And uh, that mindset, I think, will serve us well. We're certainly going to get to the stage uh, eventually, but what that looks like and what the timing is will not only be uh, uncertain to us as we sit here today, but it'll also play out differently for each and every one of us uh, in our community. So I pray that we are uh, gracious to one another, uh, that we do this art well on the other side, and that we serve each other in our audience as well when we do 
restart and have the stage available to us again. I want to thank my uh, great, um, the great panelists that we had, uh, not only in this conversation and the others. Please go back and, and look and listen to those. Uh, they were um, just a fantastic experience, and I think you'll be encouraged uh, as well by listening to those uh, those other episodes as well. It's been my privilege to host the, con- uh, the summit as well as to host the Improv Comedy Connection podcast. I'm looking forward to getting back to those conversations. We've had some great conversations coming down uh, the pike and now so many more people um, to, uh, to chat with that I'm really looking forward to and uh, sharing in-depth conversations with you on. Um, you can find out more about the podcast at improvcomedyconnection.com or find it wherever you find podcasts. I'm again, your host, Witt Schiller, and it's been my privilege to spend this time with you.